You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. So it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin. He's Frank Tucker, and it's Texas A&M Week, and I'm excited for this game coming up on Saturday night in College Station. I'm sure the the team is, fans are. We've been waiting for this game pretty much all year to really kind of see where the Hurricanes are in the grand scheme of things. And it, it's a great measuring stick for the program, although Texas A&M suffered a devastating loss last week to Appalachian State, which dropped them down to 24th in the nation. It's still a big test for Miami. Miami's actually an underdog in this game. Last I've seen it, five and a half. They are giving the Hurricanes out, out in Vegas. Uh, so not a lot of faith in the program or them pulling out the victory, which I, I find that uh, a little puzzling just because, you know, Miami ha- has looked, uh, you know, pretty, pretty decent in its first two games and Texas A&M, maybe not so much. Um, I understand the bounce back effect. I mean, Texas A&M is looking to really kind of rebound from, from that loss and they're at home and it's at night all factors in the Aggies favor, but I, I think that the Hurricanes have a better team top to bottom. Uh, I think it starts with quarterback. I think they have a better quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah. I think their offensive line is, is better as well. I think their D line is, is on poor on par, or if not better than, than Texas A&M's um, as well. Um, there could be a difference at linebacker play, but I think the defensive backs hold up pretty well against uh, Texas A&M as well. So it seems like it's just that, you know, uh, you know, country doesn't really like Miami type of bias going on here uh, for the Hurricanes. But I think this is um, a, a great opportunity for Miami to show up on the big stage and really show that they're not the same old Hurricanes uh, of old because big games like this in the past under the Diaz era and and, and and other other uh, eras, uh, they don't they don't quite show up in this game. Although the last time the Hurricanes were in College Station, they did come out with a victory where uh, good old Greg Cooper had a, had a big game. So so we'll see what happens on Saturday. But w- what are your thoughts, Frank, on on this big game coming up in College Station? Yeah, I'm not surprised they're coming in as an as an underdog. I think Miami's in a prove it stage right now. The rest of the country is kind of skeptical of what Miami could do in a big game against a ranked opponent just due to recent history. Uh, we, we really haven't lived up to the billing in games uh, like Pitt. Well, we went into undefeated and we've lost teams like Virginia and Duke um, at times where we really shouldn't have. Um, now, have there been really good moments in the past few years where we beat teams like Notre Dame? Um, yeah, but once again, Miami's got to prove that they're at the level of the SEC schools that are continuously in the conversation for the college football playoff. I mean, just last year, Texas A&M was able to knock off Alabama. Uh, and, and then they're coming off one of the maybe the greatest recruiting class we've seen uh, since they started documenting the star system. So it, it's not shocking to see Miami uh, behind in the spread. Um, but I, I think Miami's in a good position here. Uh, the offense started clicking in the second half. I think that's going to give them some positive momentum coming into this game. Uh, they're averaging over 500 yards a game. We scored over 30 points in both games. 
in on defense, besides a few broken plays uh, due to quarterback scrambles, I think we've looked really good overall. Guys like Leonard Taylor are stepping up. James Williams is playing a versatile role for this defense that's really needed with the lack of overall top-end talent at the linebacker position. I think this week we're going to see a, a big game, in my opinion, from Avante Williams coming off that drama-filled uh, end of Saturday night. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm excited for the opportunity that Miami has heading into this game. And I think that this is going to be a huge opportunity to potentially jump up in the top 10, something we haven't seen in a long time here at Miami, uh, and really be in the conversation for the best team in the ACC. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be interesting how they do come out and play in that first half and first uh, quarter because um, last year that they didn't start out well in games, and last week they didn't start out well in games. So this is not that type of game that you want to start out slow again. Uh, you want to come out and really kind of hit them in the mouth and really kind of show that 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 defense is not going to, you know, give up a bunch of points and that that offense is going to uh, move the ball and move the chains. And that's what uh, I, I'm, I'm nervous about. I still am surprised that they are that they are underdogs in this game because it's that they, they are ranked 13th right now and Texas A&M is 24th. Uh, they struggled against an Appalachian State team that they shouldn't be they shouldn't really have been struggling against i think they were out coached in this game i think uh, jimbo fisher was embarrassed uh and took a lot of that responsibility uh, of the loss on himself and uh he he is partially to 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 blame obviously but it's all about the the players and how they execute i mean but you can't argue with the the time of possession in this game, which is pretty drastic. 41 minutes for Appalachian State compared to about 12 uh, to Texas A&M. When you don't have the ball, you can't, you can't score for the most part unless it's a scoop and score or, or pick six. So I am most interested to see how this offense is going to show up, though, and how this Miami offense – and how it's going to be more creative because let, let's face it be with these first two games it's been very vanilla it's been very kind of standard uh type of plays um aside from from the flea flicker you didn't see really a lot of creativity from the offense and i think this is the this is the week that that josh gaddis and, and tyler van dyke can you know make that money you know can can really get the bag this week because this is where you kind of show your worth and show why there's this hype around you because you're able to kind of execute in a hostile environment that's something i think that they are ready for mentally because of this coaching staff i think this coaching staff really is going to have them mentally ready to go but there will be some kind of shock factor at first because, you know, you won't know how, how, how it really is until you're actually there in the building, hearing the noise, hearing the, you know, the, the crowd and, and really being in that atmosphere. There's kind of, there's a shock factor at first, but then once you, 
realize it's just a football game, then you, they need to go out there and execute and really kind of show that this is a Miami that fans can can be behind and recruits can be behind because there's going to be a lot of recruits at this game and and, and this game could be critical for recruiting. Yeah, I totally agree on, on the recruiting factor. I think going into the 12th man is going to be tough. Whether you've been rolling on offense, uh, rolling on defense, right, that that crowd is going to play a factor in, in how this game goes. It's just how college football is. The home field advantage is always going to be there comparative, really, to like the NFL. Um, but, you know, I think Miami's got to come out fast defensively. I think offensively, it, it's, you know, they're going to play solid, um, you know, similar to what we saw through the first two weeks. Tyler Van Dyke's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. But I don't think that this game's going to be won on the offensive side of the ball. I think they have to take a page out of the Appalachian State playbook and really limit the big plays that Texas A&M has, right? Ionis uh, Smith, they're, they're arguably their best player overall on their team, went from four catches, 164 yards in the first game and two touchdowns to four catches for 21 yards in the second game, right? You saw a falter in, 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 in a fall from their offense from week one to week two, where they struggled in week one against Sam Houston State, but really struggled to the tune of 14 points against App State. And I think that's a huge reason for that. You take away the slots, you take away Haynes King's, uh, you know, easiest throws uh, up the seam. And I think you have an opportunity to really stifle the Jimbo Fisher-led offensive attack. Uh, I think this is going to be a big game from Leonard Taylor, right? That offensive line we have seen struggle through two weeks against inferior opponents. And I think coming off his huge performance last week where he got a sack, a few tackles for loss, was really an enforcer on that defense, coming off an injury at that, right? He got a stinger the week before. I think it's going to be a big week for him. Um, I'm hoping that Akeem, Akeem Mesidor can can come into this game as healthy as he possibly can because Haynes King's got some legs on him. And if we see, uh, you know, a, a kind of a similar performance to Bethune-Cookman where the quarterback's running around and breaking the pocket and, and doing some things with his legs, I think we could be in trouble because that'll open up some of them easier throws in the, in the slot. And, and I think that would be a, a detriment to what this defense could do against Texas a yeah, I think those are things that they can fix and they can, you know, improve upon from, from the past couple of weeks. I think uh, the offensive line is really going to be tested here. The offensive line's um, ability to, 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 to prevent pressure from, from getting to Tyler Van Dyke, I think is going to be key here. I think if Tyler Van Dyke kind of has enough time to throw and, and because um, he was hard on himself uh, this week as far as his performance. So he comes off as a guy that will be righting his wrongs and really looking to improve in, in this next game. And I, I think he will do that as long as he has time to throw that there were, a, there were a couple of uh, lapses and, and blocking assignments from what I saw. Uh, there's a film review on canescounty.com. Uh, by our guy Steve O'Cranning, and he uh, really kind of broke it down and really kind of showed, you know, where there were lapses at, in in uh, in the offensive line as far as blocking and blitzing, because Texas A&M is going to bring it. They're, they are going to blitz. I mean, naturally, you do that when you're at home and it's a night game, and and uh, and it's harder to 
to communicate with with the offensive uh, staff or whatnot. Um, he's going to be communicating with Josh Gaddis from the coach's box upstairs. So there will be some issues likely in communication. So when when that's the case and if there's blitzing, Van Dyke is going to have to handle the blitz, get out of the pocket, or, and find his check down options uh, in order to really kind of loosen up that defense. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he can he can do that, and I'm hoping that, that there is indeed creativity. Um, as far as uh, – I, I think the defense can do enough to win this game. I, 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 I don't think they necessarily have to win this game. I, I actually think it's the offense that needs to win this game for Miami. And um, if they can get out there and just kind of execute, control the line of scrimmage, run the football like they've been doing effectively for two weeks, and then, you know, pop in some, some, some rooster in the action where he can just, you know, kind of take off with with uh, finding some openings, then I think off, I think they should have uh, some opportunities uh, to, to make plays. But Texas A&M does have a good defense. Appalachian State has a fairly decent offense. Uh, they were able to control the clock, but they weren't able to score as much as they would like and only put up 17 points. And the fact that Texas A&M only put up 14 on Appalachian State, while the week before North Carolina puts up 63, makes me feel like, okay, well, this Texas A&M offense is, is not what it's cracked up to be. And if Miami can get up to, you know, the 27-point range, I think that's a win. I, I really think Miami can win this game if they score in that range, 24, 27 points, because uh, I don't see, I don't see, I don't, I don't see Texas A&M scoring more than 21 points on offense. Maybe they may get a, a turnover that, you know, um, a pick six or something like that, maybe, or, or scoop and score or a turnover that kind of sets them up for field goals and touchdowns deep into Miami territory. I could see that happening, but for the most part, I don't think this is an offense that is going to be running up and down uh, Miami for the entire game. Now, first half, I can see Texas A&M trying to uh, moving the ball well. Obviously, kind of, that kind of happens. That first drive is usually kind of a scripted drive that usually results in, in some success. But I think after that, I think Miami will make adjustments. And they'll, they'll pull they'll pull this one out. I really uh, I really do think Miami's going to pull out this game with a with a four or five point victory, uh, even with the five points that Vegas has given them. So yeah, I think Miami. Miami, if you bet in Miami. Yeah, bet Miami, bet Miami. Just like everybody should be betting my spreads for the high school games. <laughs> but uh, I think the two biggest matchups for Miami in this game are uh, Tamisia Adelaide. Um, former five-star defensive lineman, um, especially with Walter Nolan, probably not playing in this game. Five-star de freshman defensive tackle was out with the boot last week. Um, so he's going to be the main guy um, on that defensive line. And then Antonio Johnson, all-American uh, strong safety, uh, slot corner type guy for, for uh, Texas A&M. He's a guy that he's leading the team of tackles right now. They're, they're bringing him off the edge a little bit. 
He's a 6'3", 200-pound nickel corner. That's not something that you typically see. Um, so I think, you know, what they're going to try to do is try to take away Xavier Streffo. And the biggest thing will be, is Tyler Van Dyke able to do something outside of his, his first option, right? Because last year it was a lot of Charleston Rambo, and that was a huge part of uh, Tyler Van Dyke's success in the passing game. And so far early in the year, we're seeing a lot of his success coming from Xavier Restrepo. Um, but we're going to have to see more of Keyshawn Smith, Michael Redding, Elijah Royo, Will Mallory. All those guys are going to have to be way more involved this week because I don't think Restrepo is going to be able to be that consistent guy going up against a potential first-round draft pick defensive back in, in, at Texas A&M. It's going to be a really fun matchup to watch, but you know, physics matter, right? <laughs> and 6'3", 200-pound athletes going against five foot 10, 195-pound slot receivers, that's going to make things difficult for Shrepo in this game. I still think he has a solid performance, probably five to seven catches, similar to how he's done uh, through the first two games. But they're going to key on that. Um, I think it's going to have to be a lot of Henry Parrish controlling the clock the same way App State did um, and, and just keeping that offense off the field because we've seen them make big plays. And, and the potential for them to score is there. Jimbo Fisher has the track record and the pedigree of being one of the best offensive play callers in South Florida. So, I mean, not South Florida, uh, the country. My apologies. My, I'm stuck on high school. <laughs> but um, I, I, I think uh, I think it could be a shootout if we let it. Um, I think you got to take, like I said, you got to take a, a page out of the App State playbook, control the clock, uh, utilize those matchups, taking away their slot options. Uh, kind of containing the pocket and forcing Haynes King to kind of beat you with his arm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see how they handle everything. Uh, but there are some other storylines, story and it's kind of a, I, I guess, a homecoming of sorts where you you have Miami, the hometown team, going to Texas A&M, and there's a couple of hometown guys there uh, with uh, Yule Keith Brown, Amari Daniels, Shamar Stewart, uh, you'll keep Brown likely probably the only player to get, really get significant playing time. Maybe Amari Daniels gets some carries as well at running back. Um, and then you got Shamar Stewart also there. So uh, this is big for recruiting. You know, uh, we've already uh, confirmed that uh, Josiah Trader, uh, Jeremiah Smith uh, will be in college station for this game. And they're, they're not so much looking at Texas A&M. Uh, they're there to see Miami. And um, also uh, Andy Jean likely going to be there as well, uh, as well as someone else I had on there. Hakeem Williams. Hakeem Williams is also planning to planning to be there as well. Uh, Texas A and M is 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 high on on his list, uh, along with some other schools. So it, it's 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 big for those guys who are going to be there in College Station, but it's really big for for every prospect or, or recruit or even the commits as well to kind of see Miami at least put up a fight now what would be devastating for Miami is them getting blown off blown off the field by Texas A&M that'd be absolutely devastating for recruiting can't that cannot happen it could be a close game like we spoke about before um, but it just can't be uh, a blowout. Uh, it's just a big game for recruiting optics and for, uh, and because of that reason, I think Miami um, continues uh, like, cause, cause like I said, I think they win. I think they continue to kind of ascend with, with the recruiting because once these guys see that, I mean, players like uh, 
you know, David Hicks, who's, who's considering both uh, Texas A&M and Miami. And uh, there, there, there's others as well. If they see that, then, you know, that keeps Miami as, as a top contender for like potential five stars like that. So, um, so yeah, it's big game for recruiting and uh, just a big game overall. I'll, I'll be there in, in college station for the game. It's uh, going to be my first time uh, uh, in college station or even, even in a stadium of that uh, magnitude, uh, it's actually going to be the biggest stadium that I've ever been in. Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the atmosphere and, and um, I'll be bringing you all uh, as, as much coverage as I can through canescounty.com. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a, a big recruiting weekend. I mean, there's five different recruits just in 2023 that we're going after um, against Texas A&M. David Hicks, Hakeem Williams, who you said is going to be at the game. Damon Wilson, the Venice defensive end, five-star caliber player. Uh, and Tyler Williams, uh, one of the you know most talked about recent targets for Miami. Uh, you know, that was kind of like a Texas A&M-Georgia battle in a way. Uh, you know, very similar player to Hakeem Williams. And then you got probably – 15 upwards of 15 kids in 2024 that are looking at both Texas A&M and Miami, as well as in 2025, like kids like Gavin Nix, Winston Watkins, uh, Chris Ewald from Shamanah Madonna. Like this is going to be a continuous thing where Miami's going against Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher is one of the best recruiters in the country. We've seen in the past us going against uh, Texas A&M with guys like Shamar Stewart and Amari Daniels and a little bit of Yul Keith Brown. Um, I don't think they pulled the trigger on him too much uh, with the last staff, but obviously we see what his impact is um, in College Station. So it, this is something that – this is bragging rights. You know, you don't always get to play teams like Texas A&M. This is, this is an out-of-conference game. This is a, a signature win, uh, and this could be huge momentum as a potential uh, game that could have you go undefeated going into that Clemson game to, closer to the end of the year. If you go into that game against Clemson undefeated in the top-10 program, and Clemson has uh, continued quarterback question marks. Uh, this could be huge. This could yeah. be huge. If you go, Miami's if you go be on the, fire, by the way, if that happens, Miami is going to be literally. Oh my fire. god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like people think that the recruiting right now, uh, with all the talks about you know money bags and all that stuff, is is going to be crazy. Just wait until you see what the potential recruiting class could be if Miami goes into the end of the season undefeated. The brand carries itself, right? And and and. If on-field production in the first year under Mario Cristobal is potential 12 wins, right, which is what the season is, 12-13 wins that you could be looking at if you beat Texas A&M, right? Because this is one of the games that we were talking about, like, ah, chalk it up as a loss. You know, you can still win double-digit games this year. But if you go into this game undefeated, even if you lose to Clemson, right, you go 11-1 and in the regular season going into the conference championship game, with the most wins we've had since what 2003, right? That's this is that's huge for the yeah, program. Yeah. It's huge for the city. It's huge for Mario Cristobal in his first year. That means that we don't have to wait five years to see a potential title in South Florida. It, it could be even sooner than that, especially with the expansion of the college football playoff coming in just a few years. Like this is a huge, huge game. Um, I don't think that it kills Miami if they lose. But just the ceiling that, you know, is is opportunistically there uh, if they win this game, it's it's unexplainable how it could be for this program. 
Yeah, and and the schedule is, you know, it's not that tough, to be honest. Um, you got a lot of teams transitioning. And even the game after this is Middle Tennessee State, kind of a perfect team to play. Um, I wouldn't say perfect, but like it, it's it, they're they're not an ACC team. Let's say I, I would rather play like a, a Middle Tennessee than like a North Carolina in this following game in case they win, because that's just a recipe for a letdown type of game. So, so yeah, and, and then after that they have a bye, and then they go into North Carolina. So you kind of you know refocus for that game going into the ACC play. And this ACC Coastal, you know, not a lot of teams kind of scare you. There's there's teams that could that that could provide a scare during the game, but they don't scare you on paper when you look at them. And uh, I think I think um, Virginia could be a trap game. I think uh, Georgia Tech could possibly be a trap game as well. Looking ahead to the Clemson game, and uh, Virginia would be looking ahead to the Florida State game. So. Those are potential trap games that I, I foresee. I think they'll be obviously ready to play against Florida State and a Clemson. Uh, but, you know, those, those two games are, are potential traps. North Carolina could be one, too, as, as well, because they can score. Uh, they can't stop anybody, it looks like. <laughs> uh, they couldn't even stop Florida and m uh, But, you know, I, I think that that's a game, if you're not careful, uh, could be games that you slip up on in case you, you know, you beat a Texas A&M, but one game at a time. We'll take it one game at a time. Let's see if they kind of get through this game before we start crowning them. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, we touched on, you touched on recruiting a little bit about the 2025 class that released this week. So um, just, just kind of looking at the list up and down, the first thing that came uh, that I saw or jumped out to me was, was Armando Blunt at, at eight. And I, I think, he probably deserves to be a little bit higher, in in my opinion, maybe a top five guy. Um, I was I was glad to see Chris Ewald was 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 there on the list as well. Um, Gavin Nix being there is is not a surprise uh, uh, to to be of of the top one hundred. Um, but um, you know, well, what are your thoughts when when you when you first saw the list? I love to see Byron Lewis as high as we have him. He is an explosive back that if he was on any other team in South Florida, would probably be starting. He's just stuck behind Mark Fletcher right now, uh, sharing carries. Um, and, and he's been impactful through the, through the first part of the year. And I think this is going to be a huge game for him against Shaman Amadonna. But I love to see him among the top 50 players in the 2025 class. Colin Hurley at seven was a little bit of a surprise, but well-deserved state championship winning quarterback. Uh, has all the measurables that you need, uh, an offer list that stretches about 30 teams so far. Um, and then, you know, uh, Winston Watkins up in the top 15. Uh, that's a kid that came to Legends Camp, lit it up. Uh, there was a lot of momentum there. Uh, you know, after that Legends Camp, he, you know, earned that offer from the new staff. And the cousin of Sammy Watkins is one of those players that uh, could be a slot receiver of the future for the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, one kid that I was surprised wasn't on there, um, and a little disappointing for me, but I think he'll prove it over time, is Ezekiel Marcellin out of Miami Central, the, the linebacker that um, is the heir apparent to uh, to Wesley Bissain, uh having a hell of a year, uh, doing some really good things, had a huge game against IMG Academy. Uh, the, the kid has all the measurable 6'1", 195, 200 pounds as a 15-year-old, uh, fast, athletic, really good in coverage, 
uh, lit it up at Legends Camp as well, kind of mirrored Gavin Nix for uh, what would have been a potential MVP award for whatever linebacker, uh, you know, had the top performance in that camp. And I think that he's going to be a kid that Miami targets really heavily down the line and uh, will be a kid that will emerge in the top 100 before it's all said and done. Yeah, uh, to touch on EJ, yeah, I, I definitely think that EJ definitely, EJ Marcelin definitely should be in, in the top 100 at least. Uh, he, we're, we're in the same name, we're in the same number as Wesley was saying. He looks oddly similar. Uh, we're in 17, although Wesley changed to one, I think, uh, in his senior year. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, he definitely, I, I think should, should be on there. Um, but uh, what about the 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 new Miami offered uh, defensive back um, Omari Wallace? Were you surprised that he didn't make the one hundred? I'm not, but but you know how high I am on Omari Wallace, uh, Dread. He's one of my favorite players in the 2025 classification. I think as he continues to build that resume and 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 does it on the camp settings, right, and kind of gets some track uh, pedigree, uh, you know. Doing, you know, doing something in regards to proving his athleticism um, will will go a long way to uh, his potential ranking going forward. Um, I think, you know, it's hard for us to, to really see every kid, and, and especially with the national guys, getting a chance to see all those young kids. It's, it's not an easy thing. So I think that's why it starts out with the top 100, and, you know, it's going to go forward. I think top 250, we're going to see a ton of South Florida kids. There's just going to be some prove-it moments. There's going to be some proven moments for these kids. Amari Wallace has been lights out through the first couple of games of the year. Uh, we saw him make some really nice PBUs against Booker T. Washington. He obviously had the game-stealing interception against IMG Academy. And we're going to see him in some other top matchups against Diller and Miami Northwestern and potentially American Heritage against Brandon Ennis and crew uh, in the state semis or state championship game. So uh, time will tell um, with him. And, and, and if he proves himself in those – top end matchups and central ends up uh, in the national championship conversation for high school football. Both of those kids are going to get the recognition that they deserve. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of high school football, I mean, it's another jam packed weekend, uh, especially down here in South Florida. Uh, the big game of the weekend, obviously is Shamanad Madonna versus American heritage. Uh, these, these are two teams that have been playing very consistently over the years. And um you know, it's it's kind of it depends on on the year on on really kind of who wins, but it's usually always a close game. It, it's never really a blowout either way. Uh, a lot of great hurricanes have played in this game in, in the past, including uh, James Williams and 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 Thad Franklin have played against each other uh, in high school in this game. So this this one is 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 a big one, and um, unfortunately, I won't be at this game. I'm really mad. I'm, that I won't be there you know you might have to you might have to go go on live so I can watch it you know and <laughs> wherever I'm at in Texas if I'm over there eating some barbecue or something like that I still want to see what's going on in this game I want to see that Brandon in this highlight live I want to see that Mark Fletcher touchdown live or or uh you know uh that that Jeremiah Smith diving catch or 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 JoJo maybe throwing another pass or something like that or or Edwin Joseph I mean the names keep going going you know Cedric Bailey I want to Cedric Bailey I think we probably don't talk about enough he's had really two good weeks officially 
um, at quarterback. I mean, yeah, he's got a star, star-studded cast with him, but he, he's been making plays, rolling out, uh, buying time, uh, making throws, throwing touchdowns. Uh, he's been playing great. Uh, we haven't really seen a lot from Bullet uh, in these couple of weeks, but, you know, he's a guy that's – you can't call him a secret weapon, but he's like the weapon that they don't have to use – but we'll use him if needed, <laughs> you know. So, so he's he's there in the mix as well. And then you've got Miami target Damari Brown, um, potentially going to be matched up with Jeremiah Smith. Probably the the most intriguing matchup in this game. Uh, we saw Jeremiah Smith matched up against Antoine Jackson uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, now we're going to see him against Damari Brown. Maury Brown had a had a nice showing against um, Makai Lemon, so this that's a very intriguing matchup uh, to kind of see and and then uh, you know and you know just overall I think these are uh, I mean there's so many good teams in South Florida, but you could argue argue that these are two top teams in Broward County, uh, which is saying a lot in itself. I mean St. Thomas would be the only other I think uh, contender. Of, of the uh, top teams in Broward, um, especially since Chaminade kind of uh, took care of business against Dillard a couple of weeks ago. So really intrigued of this, uh, of this matchup. Uh, your thoughts um, going into that one. Ooh, coming off a huge performance against Miami Northwestern. This is, this is even more exciting than I thought it was going to be. If you run the clocks on Miami Northwestern at the Mecca Trias Powell, uh, that's only going to build the hype of your team. And I don't think that Chaminade needed even even more hype uh, heading into this game. The, the, the star-studded cast that they have on both sides of the football is is ridiculous. Maybe one of the best we've seen in the last decade or longer than that. But you're 100% right about C.J. Bailey. He has led this team to a 3-0 and start against three elite-level opponents, three top 100 matchups, uh, which is ridiculous to say for a kid going into his junior year. Uh, he's got about 900 yards total, double-digit touchdowns through three games, averaging over 300 yards of offense. The kid is special. He, you know, you can't say enough about what he's done. Uh, he's completely retooled his mechanics in a, in a lot of different ways. That was one of the big question marks for him. As a recruit, uh, as a winner, I mean, his first year as a starter, he loses one game to American Heritage at that uh, last year, a game that they were leading 17-3 to until the final 10 seconds of the game. Right. Uh, and then and I remember and you, that was a fluky game that I wasn't at, uh, like the one game I wasn't at. Yeah. Like you were there and it was like a, a downpour going on in that game. Yeah, it was a downpour. It didn't end till midnight. Uh, at one point, Chaminade actually went back on the bus because they thought the game was over. Uh, <laughs> you had a near altercation between two athletic directors in the middle of the field fighting about uh, wow. the lightning. It was it was a, 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 a reality show in itself. Um, in every year, it's like that for American Heritage versus Shamanad. And I'm so excited for this matchup because Heritage has been the boogeyman for Shamanad. Even when Shamanad is considered the top team in Broward, potentially, like they were last year, or St. Thomas, right? You could always put them in the conversation. But when Shamanad is up there, they always fall to American Heritage. Yeah. It's their kryptonite. So yeah. this is the year that they're really supposed to kind of knock off the knock off the dust and, and get that W. Um, but Blake Murphy, who's been lights out to start the year, along with that rushing attack, two-headed monster uh, group of Mark Fletcher and, and who we mentioned, Byron Lewis, a new top 100 recruit four-star running back. 
um, it, it's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, I think everybody's going to talk about Brandon Innes, but uh, th there's so much talent on the field. Malachi, Tony is another kid who's a 2026 freshman uh, who has a Miami offer already. He's, he's had, he's got 200 yard games under his belt in, in four games on the varsity level. And he's a special player. It's going to be fun to watch. We're going to see Edwin Joseph and, and Chris Ewald against, you know, a, a very good receiving group for American Heritage. On the other side, we're going to see a Shamar McNeil, a Missouri commit, Damari Brown against JoJo and JJ. You're going to have Edwin against, uh, you know, Damian Fagan. It, it's going to be fun to see, man. It's, it's, I'm, I'm so shocked uh, that you're not going to be there. But I, listen, you can't miss out on the opportunity to see this battle for the Hurricanes and, and yeah. the Aggies. But yeah. it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. But there's also some other matchups that we got to talk about, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like we could we could probably have a whole show talking about that game. It's it's so there's so many names that we've we've named so far, but there's more that we could have named here. Uh, Wayne Pert, for one, I think is going to be a a big factor in this game. If he can somehow dominate like he did against against Dillard, that could be a major factor in this game. And um yeah, we talked about Byron Lewis as well. I'm interested to see what he does in this game. Kyle Washington. Kyle, Kyle Washington had a big game. Coming off a hundred yard game. Yeah, coming yeah. off that hundred yard game. He's showing that that four four speed is back. I mean, look at what this kid has gone through, right? Torn ACL after his first varsity game last year where he had 75 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then all of a sudden comes back. Gets knocked out cold against St. John's uh, and, and then comes back in his first game back against Miami Northwestern, one of the top teams in South Florida, a team I had as a top five team in 2022, and has 100 yards, two 40-plus-yard touchdowns. Uh, yeah. Kind of outshines uh, everybody else in the receiving core, which is super surprising when you yeah. have upwards of four Division One kids uh, that you're battling targets for. So I'm excited to see what he does in the slot as well, but – um, another game I'm excited about is Columbus Palmetto. They're before before you go to that game, who wins? Oh, <laughs> I'm going Chaminade. I'm going Chaminade, but I don't ask me to put any money on it. Don't ask me to put any money on it, market. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to put any money on it. I should just for fun because I think American Heritage can legit win this game. You know, I I really do. They have a legit shot, and and here's why: it's the fact that you have. Josiah Trader and Edwin Joseph playing potentially both sides of football. And that's not the case on the American Heritage side. They don't have anybody, I don't think, going both ways like those two guys. And I think that takes a toll. By the end of the game, I think, hey, that if, if Brandon Ennis is playing against the is, is matched up against a, a guy who's been playing both ways, or Malachi Tony is playing against a guy who's been playing both ways the entire game. And I think late in the game, they, they they may slip up here and there. And then all of a sudden, we have a blur moment, you know? So, I don't know. It, it's I'm, I'm so mad that I'm missing this game. The more I talk about it, I'm just like, oh, my God. I, I wish I was there kind of watching this firsthand. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think Chaminade maybe squeaks this one out. Um. You know what? Uh, just for fun, I'm going to take Heritage. I'm going to take Heritage to win. I'll take Heritage uh, to, win, to win the game um, because of the factors that I, that I just mentioned. You know, um, 
uh, with uh, with Joseph and, and Trader potentially playing both sides. Uh, and yeah, I think it's a close game. I think it comes down to the final kick or final play. You know, it's going to be that type of game as it usually is. Uh, so I think it comes down. I think it's going to be low scoring too. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I, I, I say about a 19, 1917 type of battle here. You want to go double or nothing on our uh, Florida bet? <laughs> nah, man, I'm not going to go double or nothing on oh, that. Oh, come on. Come <laughs> on. You got to give me a chance. You gotta give me a chance. Not, I don't feel that confident. I don't feel that confident you in that. You just said you man. wanted to put some money on it, man. Like, I I don't feel that confident. If if I felt confident in that game, like I'll give you I'll could, give you two and a half. I'll give you two and a half. Two and a half. Give me two and a half points. I'll take three. Give me just give I'll me. give you three. I'll give you three. All right, all right. Deal, deal. Three points. Double or nothing at three. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go. All right, uh, you were saying uh, Palmetto, Columbus. It's a Miami Miami target matchup too, man. I you yeah. know you look at Dylan Stevenson, T.J. Capers, Dylan Russell. Uh, on the other side, you got the you got the Washington Twins. Uh, Jacory Barney's going to be a kid who could potentially be a Miami target. Uh, this is going to be a good one. You know, Palmetto kind of redeemed themselves last week against Killian. Um, struggled early, but ended up pulling it out with a 20-point victory. Um, you know, and Columbus coming off a, a game that we saw where they completely decimated a Tampa Jesuit team that hasn't lost since 2020. Uh, they were a top-20 team in the country by pretty much everybody. Uh, they were 15-0 and 0 last year. That team that, that beat Northwestern and St. Thomas in the same year. That's, that's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah, really good team. Really good team, and this is a team that almost beat American Heritage the year before. That was their last loss, was American Heritage and I think the state semis, um, you know, in 2020. So this is one of the best teams in the country, and, and they beat them 32-15. to 15. Uh, We're seeing T.J. Capers completely transition uh, to that to that off-ball linebacker type role, kind of letting Dylan Stevenson uh, or Dylan Stevenson, I mean, uh, Dylan Russell and uh, Dylan Stevenson kind of just rushing off the edge a little bit. Uh, and we're seeing Seth Irvin turn it up. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I'm not. Yeah, and we obviously haven't heard anything in regards to Miami reaching out, but if Miami doesn't end up with a running back prospect, you know, he looks like a kid that you might have to revisit that, right? It, it's just it the kid. Yeah, through three games, double digit touchdowns, right? Leading South Florida touchdowns overall, right? The kid is the kid is off the charts, man. He is off it the is. charts. He is he's been really good. We're seeing that signature explosiveness that we saw very early on in his career come back. He's and plus, he's, he's really good behind. at catching the football, too. Really good. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, he's a kid that, like I said, I, you know, I, we don't haven't heard anything, but with the Columbus connection that we know is so big, right, and and his connection with his new teammates like TJ Capers and, and Russell and Stevenson, um, it, you know, Dave Dunn has a really good relationship with Coach Maribel and Coach Cristobal. You could see a possible revisit there, and, and I wouldn't be I'm mad at that, right? right? I wouldn't be mad at that because, you know, Chris Johnson hasn't hasn't obviously locked in, right? We ha we don't see Cedric Baxter wavering off that commitment. Um, and, and there's really not that many prospects out there other than maybe Mark Fletcher, and you're hoping for a flip against an Ohio State team, Ohio State team that's one of the best in the country, right? Unless you see a drastic fall from grace from the Buckeyes, uh, it's going to be hard to flip them. Now, there's still potential there. We know that. Brandon Ennis and Fletcher are talking, but 
like I said, I would not be mad to see a Cedric Irvin end up in the class for the hurricane. Yeah, absolutely. But as far as this game is concerned, I don't think it's a real uh, good matchup for Palmetto. I think uh, Columbus, they played a really good game. I, I like what I've seen from Mendoza uh, at quarterback. Uh, I think he is really kind of learning how to be a starting quarterback on this level, kind of, you know, getting his opportunity here. And he seemed to get better as the game went on. And I think he's going to get better as this season goes on and Palmetto doesn't really scare me too much as far as uh, defensively. I mean, yeah, you got Bobby Washington in there, you know, putting the hammer on you. Um, you know, if you're, if you are, you know, running the football, I you know, everybody knows about him. And then also uh, Gabe Hardman is, is another linebacker that we're really high on as well. But I just think overall, Columbus will find a way to just like they did in that game. I mean, it, this was a good game in that first half. It was pretty much kind of even. I don't remember exactly what the score was, but it was it was an even game. And then Columbus kind of made the adjustments. Three times. What happened? They played three times last year. Oh, Columbus and uh, Palmetto. Palmetto. Yeah. Three times they played last year, which is crazy. And they were all close. All yeah. within like all, all good, really good games. But I, I, don't, I just don't see that offensive line of Palmetto really holding up against this Columbus D-line who, you know, you just mentioned Dylan Stevenson, Dalen Russell, and then possibly a TJ Capers coming off the edge or even up the middle. Like, I, I just don't – I just don't see them stopping them, stopping them when they couldn't do that against Homestead. Homestead is a, is a good team as well, but I think their, their D-line is not as good as Columbus. And, and – Columbus, they found a way to really kind of uh, win this game uh, against Tampa Jesuit. Tampa Jesuit, I think if they played them again, might might beat them because I, I think Tampa Jesuit turned the ball over way too many times. I think they had four turnovers uh, in the game, and, you know, you, you, you can't beat anybody uh, making that many turnovers, and they, they didn't commit to the running game. I think if, if Tampa Jesuit played them again, I think there's, there's a high chance I think they probably beat them. But Tampa Jesuit also, I think, would, would blow the doors off of Palmetto as well. Palmetto is just has not been impressive this season, aside from uh, the, you know, uh, the Washington Twins, uh, Gabe Hardman, um, and um, the other kid, the other uh, receiver, uh, uh, Ja'Cory Barney. Barney. Ja'Cory Barney. Um, so aside from those players, um, I don't. I just don't think they have enough against uh, a Columbus. I, I think Columbus, you know, um, you know, kind of shows that they're a complete team all around. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, their receiver, who I didn't even know played for uh, Miami Gardens Ravens, um, you know, in your Jose Leon. Yeah, you can see that on canescounty.com. Um, so, you know, uh, so they got pretty much a, 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 a good receiver, good running back, good quarterback when you have that trifecta and a solid defense. And they've got other players as well. They've got other playmakers uh, that we saw. We got, they got the Marshall commit. Also on uh, on defense, I, I just think Columbus uh, kind of runs away uh, with this game. I, I I don't think it's a running clock, but I think they kind of win comfortably against Palmetto. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. 
Um, but, you know, emotions in football, uh, anytime that they kind of rise up, this is one of those rivalry games in that 4A Metro classification. Um, they, they've kind of been battling it out for who's the best team in the South, um, you know, for, for a better part of three or four years. So I'm excited to see this game. I think it's going to be a hard-hitting battle. I don't think there's going to be a ton of scoring. Um, I think Columbus takes it. Um, but I think Palmetto kind of redeems themselves once again as proving that they're still one of those teams to watch in that in that large school uh, classification for the state of Florida. Um, Want to go to the next game, which would be Western yeah. St. Thomas. Western yeah. St. Thomas. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, well. Um, Blue, Larry Bluestein, of course, you know, a, a friend of ours was 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 high on Western. Um, making a game of this against St. Thomas and Western. I know that's a program that's dear to your heart, uh, Frank, and, you know, quarterback Colin Hurst. You know, I think we all love as, as, as just a kid and a quarterback and a kid that's been starting since he was a freshman and uh, is now can't believe he's already in his senior year here uh, has an opportunity to really have a signature win for his team and the, and, probably the program as well. I don't think they've ever beaten a St. Thomas in its history. So it definitely would be a monumental uh, win, but I, I don't think they got enough to beat St. Thomas. St. Thomas is like the machine, you know, it, they, they just, they, they don't rebuild. They, they reload, you know, and they seem to have reloaded once again uh, with, uh, you know, the team that they have there. Uh, they've got, you know, a pair of really good receivers, 2024 kids and James Madison and Chance Robinson. And, you know, the, the running backs look look definitely legit with, uh, you know, Jamari Sands and uh, Xavier Terrell. I don't I think it's back. Jordan Lyle. Now, and Jordan Lyle has been looking tremendous. Um, I think that's another kid that Miami should probably be looking into because he looks the part for sure. And, um, so, yeah, I, I think St. Thomas, um, you know, uh, they, they're going to be tough to beat. But I think I do think it's going to be uh, closer than the experts think. You know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be an all out blowout. I don't think I don't think Western challenges to win the game in the second half. But I think in the first half, they certainly came up. They maybe even may even have a lead um, on St. Thomas, St. Thomas in the first half. <laughs> but I don't think they have enough to uh, to win this game. Well, yeah, I, I think it's going to Yeah, I mean, listen, you know how, how much I have love for my alma mater. I, I coached there, uh, you know, and, and that's it's dear to my heart, like you said. But, yeah, it's going to be very similar to last year's game that I think St. Thomas won like 31-14 or 31-20, something along those lines. I see a double-digit victory for St. Thomas. But uh, if Western puts together a perfect game, it could be fun to watch. Santana Fleming is a kid that, uh, you know, people need to watch, maybe not for hurricane, um, you know, perspective, but, uh, you know, maybe Mississippi State, Auburn, who I've made a prediction for. Um, he's, he's a big-time player, and he's had a good start to the year, um, despite, you know, a, a tough game against Coconut Creek last week that went to overtime, 10-3 was the final. Um, another kid that I really like for Western is Omar Thornton, 6'1 linebacker, um, 2024 kid. Could be a kid to watch uh, for the state of Florida teams going forward. He, he fits the mold of an athletic, uh, long linebacker uh, with a frame to put some weight on. And then on this side, 
I think we got to talk about Nick Rodriguez, just his ability to, to play sideline and sideline cover. Um, he's going to be big in a game like this because Washington throws the ball so much. So his ability to jump out of the box and cover slot receivers is going to be huge. And then obviously the safety duo of Miami targets that is Conrad Hussey and King Mack um, yeah. in that two high settings, that's going to be uh, the biggest factor um, on if Western has any success offensively, in my opinion. Um, because you know they're they're good on they're good at corner. They got Kamari Robinson, a Duke commit, Isaiah Harge, a Colorado commit, who's also going to play some receiver. Um, but those two kids over the top set the tone for this team. If Conrad Hussey's turning, getting turnovers, and King Mack is doing what he does on special teams and on defense, he blocked the cunt. He, I mean, he blocked the punt uh, last last week. Out of cut. Um, and let <laughs> <laughs> oh, it that one out. I hope he yeah, it that one out. I hope. Uh, <laughs> Oh, he blocked the punt last week, and he also returned a punt for a touchdown, right? And, and we obviously know what he can do, um, you know, playing, uh, you know, one high, also coming up in the box, making tackles against the run. The kid is just an overall special player, and that's why he's a four-star prospect for rivals overall. But, yeah, man, I, Jordan Lyle is going to have a big game. Book it. He's already got a 270-yard game so far. I think this is the year he goes over a thousand yards and really turns wait, it up. Wait, wait, he had two hundred seventy yards. No, had he had two hundred seventy yard game. Oh, the year so far. No, no, yard game. I was like, where did I miss that? <laughs> nah, he had he had two hundred seventy yard game so far this year, and and I think that's a testament to his ability, right? Uh, he has Miami offer, which is is something not a lot of people know, right? So he is being recruited by the Hurricanes, but he was he just oh, wasn't a die last year. Out. Huh? I said we need to pump that story out then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get it out there to the fans, right? But he is just one of those kids that you know he's already got double digit offers, but he just wasn't talked about that much just because he was like fourth on the totem pole last year, and that's just a testament to what St. Thomas has in their backfield. We're not even talking about Jordan Clemens. We're not even talking about Jordan Clemens, who's a first team All County running back that transferred from Paul Meach County. So they're four deep at running back. Uh, they're three or four deep at receiver. Uh, they're very talented. Um, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough tough game for Western, but um, St. Thomas. This is a prove it game for them because if they put the, if they put a beating on Western High School, one of the better public school uh, teams in South Florida overall, then we got to start talking about them in the same lens as American Heritage Shamanad once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... The only other big game that I, I saw was, uh, you know, the West trying to bounce back against Edison. You know, you got the Miami commit, Nathaniel Joseph, uh, trying to prove that, you know, he can uh, do his thing against the West. But I think the West is going to be hungry after that loss uh, to Chaminade. Uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of talk about the game leading, uh, leading up to that Chaminade game. So I think um, – they're going to be out to prove it against Edison. I think Edison is just going to be overmatched in this game. And um, they likely, I think, will put a running clock on Edison. I hate saying that against to, to any team or to any coach, you know, because I know some of these coaches and these players, you know, but I, I, I think, I think uh, North Northwestern is really going to be coming out really motivated in this game. And um, I saw Edison against Miramar, and they struggled to score against Miramar, who's a decent team. I'm not going to say, you know, Miramar's not a good team. They're a decent team. But they, they, they put up a donut against Miramar. 
uh, and Northwestern is, I think, much better than Miramar. So, so yeah, I think uh, the running clock is in the cards for this one, but hopefully we see some big plays from 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 uh, from Nathaniel Joseph um, over there at, at Edison. Yeah, we're going to see a future ACC matchup with him at Raekwon Atkins, who's probably going to be a nickel corner at the next level. So that'll be fun to watch. Uh, you know, potential uh, future battle that we see at Miami and Louisville. Uh, so uh, that'll be cool to see. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm totally on board with that. I think Andy Jean uh, bounces back uh, in a big way against Edison, over 100 yards. And watch out for King Davis. Uh, he's a kid that's going to be recruited by a Miami 2025 running back. Uh, he had some big plays. He was probably the best overall player offensively uh, for Miami Northwestern last week against Chaminade. Um, and I think that uh, this could be another big performance with him, especially with Jamari Ford, um, three-star running back, uh, banged up a little bit. All right. Uh, a couple of other games, I'm, I'm going to just kind of name them off here because um, I kind of, you know, I'm keeping track. I'm a little app here. I'm not going to say what app, but <laughs> uh, – <laughs> Uh, LaSalle Burkettee is on Friday. It's at 3.30. That's going to be an interesting game. LaSalle, you know, I saw uh, Sharkez Lee at the game last week, and um, he's there with the Miami commit, Frankie Tinelau, and a play against a Booker T team that was hanging with Central for like a half or so, although there was no Ruben Bain in this game. I also heard that Qataris uh, Hicks was – not playing for the first half, kind of suspended or something like that. So, uh, but still, you're still hanging it with potentially the best team in, you know, one of the best teams in the country, uh, hanging it with them for a half. So I think this is an opportunity for Booker T to really kind of show, you know, what they have. I did speak with Gerald Modest very briefly after the game, and um, a lot of big schools are, are reaching out to him. Um, Miami you know, if they are really serious about adding him to the uh, 2024 class, uh, they need to jump on him because a lot of other teams are really reaching out to Gerald Modest. Um, so that's, that's a potential interesting game. And then uh, Central's playing Carroll City, which is going to be probably a running clock by the, you know, uh, you know, uh, at least the third quarter. Uh, and then you got Edgewater and Jones. That's going to be a great game um, in the Orlando area where we'll have Cedric Baxter basically pinned up against Malik Bryant. Uh, that's going to be a very interesting uh, game. Um, our guys in Orlando, uh, Rhino, I'm sure is going to have the video on that. So that'll be posted on Gaines County sometime next week. And um, any other games on this list that I see? No, not really. Uh, the only other one is really Norland versus Pace. Uh, it's an interesting Miami Gardens uh, battle there. Going to have some some players uh, that Miami is looking at, of course, um, on Pace in action. Of course, uh, Jeremiah Marcellin. Uh, Miami is looking at a 2024 uh, linebacker there. Um, but that's pretty much it as far as the slate. Uh, any other games pop out to you there that you're that pique your interest? No, but uh, in that Booker T. LaSalle matchup, uh, I'm excited to see Jamori Flagg, a potential Miami target in 2024 um, at defensive tackle, a four-star defensive lineman for Booker T. Going against Frankie Tinelau, uh, I think this is probably going to be his biggest matchup of the year. Um, you know, LaSalle doesn't play exactly a loaded schedule. Um, so until 
Uh, they get to the playoffs. This will be his his most uh, projectable matchup to the next level. Um, and I would love to see how he does in that. Um, also, Gerald Modest touching on, you know, what you said. 6'1", long, fast, good receiver. Not enough people are talking about him, right? He's a four-star for us, but, um, you know, I know it's a loaded class with Jared Gibson and Stacey Gage and Bullitt and, and, and just you run down the list. It is a Johnson, loaded running back group. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's you know, Isaac Brown, if they wanted to get back into that sweepstakes uh, at Homestead, it, it is a loaded running back group. And Miami's all all in on pretty much all of them. But if yeah. they wanted Gerald Modest, I, you know, I think that would be – the most prototypical back we've probably recruited in a long time, just his ability to grow into the position once he gets to Miami, maybe not a freshman impact guy, but a guy that down the line could be an NFL prospect very easily. Um, and then obviously that Jones Edgewater matchup, Cedric Baxter versus Bryant. That's uh, it is, that is, that is what you want to see. That's what you want to see. That that's high level high school football. Those are two guys that are going to be going at it throughout the game. You know how, uh, Malik Bryan is uh, coming off the ball as an edge guy, and you know how good uh, Cedric Baxter is with the ball in his hands. We saw him uh, stiff arm somebody into a, a six foot uh, hole. It seemed like uh, you know for for a touchdown last week. He is special. He is special, and and obviously you you'd love to see a flip there. I don't see it happening, but it, it's as a Hurricane fan, as someone who's covering the team, that's a that's a game that I'm going to be keeping tabs on. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's going to be one of those games Friday nights that I'm going to be getting updates from, from everybody. <laughs> um, our guy Gio is going to be at the Columbus Palmetto game, so I'll be getting updates from him, updates from you, from from the Chaminade Heritage game. So it's it's going to be hard if I'm if I'm going to try to have some dinner that night with the wife. That's going to be uh, I don't know. I'm going to be like ghosting her probably for a few minutes, saying I'm going to the bathroom or something to see what's going on. <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, excited about this week, excited uh, about going to Texas. Uh, I've been to Houston before a few times, uh, but I've never really hung out, you know, on this adult level that I'm on right now. <laughs> you know, um, I'm a grown man now, despite what people may think of how I look. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm a grown-ass, grown-ass man. <laughs> Who, who does things a lot differently now these days. You know, I, I, I probably would have partied in a different way um, in Houston, in the H town. But, uh, you know, now it's also, it's on, it's on a grown and sexy vibe now. I you know it's on, it's on a different vibe now with, with the wife. I'm going to probably go out to dinner. Who knows what happens after, you know, we have a couple of uh, beverages because, you know, things get, you know, we, we you know, we get a we get a little adventurous. Let's just say once we have a couple of, <laughs> once we have a couple of uh, beverages in our system, and um, I, I I would imagine that's probably going to happen. Oh, oh no! You're gonna get on your James Harden thing, man. You're gonna be on your James Harden uh, kick, man. I, you know, don't, don't get yourself in yeah. trouble. All right, I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, need my yeah. publisher. I, I'm, I don't need my publisher getting in trouble, man. Yeah, I don't need that. That's kind of the perfect person to to compare what may be going down in the H town. <laughs> you know, Sam, because he's known to have a lot of fun over there, and I, I certainly do. And uh, like I said, wife and I, we're a very adventurous uh, couple, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> excited to see what's going down but uh, well listen 
I'll FaceTime you. Uh, I'll interrupt your line dancing, you know, whatever you got going on in Texas. You know, you know that's, I'll that's let you so know. funny that you say that, too, because my wife loves country music. It's so weird. She loves I mean, she she listens to 99.9 Kiss Country. She she's always excited for the chili cook off when it comes around at C.B. Smith Park. Wow. Yeah, she's like, it was weird. Like when I first started dating her, I was like, are you really listening to country music? And she was like, it's just like rap music. It's just like they talk about the same stuff, which is kind of no, true. Kind no, of no, no, true. No. <laughs> ain't nobody talking about track. NBA young boy ain't talking about no trackies. Okay? <laughs> That's not happening, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, over the years, I've liked a couple of country songs here and there. Red Solo Cup is a classic. I, I you can't beat that song. I mean, that, that's a classic, you know, and uh, can't think of any others off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee Whiskey, Tennessee Whiskey. Uh, I know that song, too. That might be like a blues song, though. Um, but yeah, I'm very, I'm very eclectic when it comes to music. Um, I pretty much like anything, um, but you know, even country, but so we may very well do some line dancing in, uh, in Texas, doing a little Texas two-step over there. Um, I, I tell you, I tell you what, the first time I actually went to, what's, what's that place over there at Davie, man? Roundup. Roundup. I went to Roundup. One time, you know, I was at a party. I was at another party and this girl who was, she was like of Asian descent or whatever. And she was like, Hey, you want to go to Roundup? And I was like, what's that? And she's like, Oh, it's, it's a, it's a country bar. It's, it's a country bar. And I'm like, country bar. I'm feeling adventurous tonight. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I was already had a few in me, so I was ready to go uh do something hopefully something else was gonna pop off from this and so i was like okay let's go ahead and do this you know <laughs> so went out there and i am not gonna lie felt uncomfortable at first um with the disparity in ethnicity let's just say that right yo <laughs> but so but once i got you know some more beverage in me i was like okay well this is this isn't bad and everybody you know and then all of a sudden i'm getting pulled into line dancing you know i'm like okay and then i'm starting doing a couple line dances here and there i'm like this ain't bad you know and it's and then they started doing the the you know the the more traditional i guess you could say type of line dancing the to the right throw it back now y'all that 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 song and and I was like, okay, well, th this is this is kind of a vibe. I don't, I don't know if I will continue to go there. I haven't been there since, especially since you know, uh, we had a change. This was before we had that uh, major change in the president. This was before that. Oh my god! This was this was before that period. So, but ever since that, you know, president became the guy. I was like. I don't know about going over there. I feel a little, a little bit more nervous going over there. So I haven't been over there since. But now that we have another change, I may, 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 may go over there again. Maybe with hey, you got a, you got a Davy Boy as your partner now, brother. So you're good, That's man. True. That's true. You got That's a Davy Boy. You got a Davy Boy true. here. So 
you got me. Anytime you want to go to Roundup, man, you just give me a call and, I, and I'm there for you. We can listen to some Chris Stapleton and some Toby Keith, like you, oh, look, like you seem look to love. You. Look at you. So I, you, you, I, listen hey, to, you listen to country too. I, I, got, I got some country in my blood, man. You know, I went to Western High School. We had horses coming in, uh, you know, to, to school. That's how some kids were getting dropped off. So oh, it's wow. just, you know, that's the life that we lead, right? But uh, – but no, man, it's going to be growing up. I never even heard of Western. I, I want to let you know, like I never even heard of Western high school until maybe, maybe when I, when I went to the game, went to a, a high school football game is when I was like, Western, where's that? <laughs> oh my God. You got to get out the house more, man. You got to get out of the house more, bro. It's like, is you that Cooper it. city? I know about Cooper city. I was like, that by Cooper city. <laughs> And then when I went there for the first time, I was like, whoa, this is like, this is not like Davey. This is like really Weston, you know, like for me, like, I'm like, this is like way out there. You know, Davey for me is like, you know, where Roundup is that, that to me, that's Davey, you know, Western. I know, baby. Yeah, Yeah. man. But uh, no, man, no, we got it. We got to get out there to Roundup sometime, but. But no, I, man. I'm, I do do some line dancing. I will get some on video. You know what I'm saying? But I'll get some on video and we'll post it on the next uh, podcast. That, that, yeah. We'll post that on the on the on, on the Canes County website. It's gonna be the, <laughs> it's gonna, that's gonna be that's gonna be highlight highlight. The Canes County publisher Marcus Benjamin is is yeah. uh, rocking the two step in some cowboy boots and a cowboy yeah. hat while his wife is jamming out. So I don't know about that. I'm still going to rock the you know the the. The, the snapback like I always do here, but like I don't know about the cowboy hat, you know, or or the boots or anything like that. But uh, you know, I, I I gotta enjoy myself, man. I gotta enjoy myself with with the hours that I have to enjoy. I mean, I, I don't have days anymore to enjoy it anymore, <laughs> but I still enjoy life because I love what I do. You know, I love I love love doing this. I love covering the canes. You know, I'm living the dream. Yep, I think we both are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I, I think this is going to round it up for the, the Storm Tracker <laughs> podcast. And, uh, and until the next episode.